I'm Tyler Lucy, and you're watching 110 Football. No game this weekend, Jess, but Angel City is such a unique club that we've got plenty to talk about off the pitch. That's right, we've got not one, but two guests today. First former U.S. Women's National Team player and current Angel City VP of Player Development and Operations, Angela Hughley's Mangano joins us. And later we'll be speaking with the Executive Director of Common Goal, Lily Baird O'Keefe, to talk about how soccer is a force for positive change. And Megan sits down for an exclusive interview with Simone Charlie. That's right, and I can't wait for you all to see it. It's all next on Angels Wear Boots. Welcome to another Angels Wear Boots. I'm Megan Reyes, and a big thank you to Amanda and the ladies for a great show last week in my absence. Like I said in the open, Angel City did not play this weekend, a bit of an international break, but they will host Simone Charlie's old team, Portland Thorns, on Friday. Today, though, we thought we'd talk about Angel City in a different context, and to help me do so is Jessica Black. <laughs> this is always the most awkward part, and we have Nina Kiefer joining us as well. Hi, Nina. Hey. And the lovely Sarah Gordon. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> so official. All right. This is always the most awkward part, so we're just going to skip right to it. <laughs> uh, you guys, make sure you get into the chat box with your questions and comments. We like to do a little section somewhere in between here, in between the little schedule, you know, to answer your questions live. So make sure you guys get in there. The show is nothing without your guys' comments. So get in there and let us know what you think. And make sure you subscribe, follow, and hit the bell and so you can see our lovely faces every week. Like this video as well, all the things. <laughs> all right, oh, hi, Amanda. Thanks for, thanks for taking over the seat for me last week, and I'm so glad that I never have to pronounce your maiden name. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with our first guest. She's the all-time leader in goals scored at the University of Virginia, capped 109 times for the U.S. Women's National Team, and the current Vice President of Player Development and Operations, Angela Huclis Mangano. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm great, how are you all? We are doing wonderful and thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, excited to be here. Amazing, so Angela, first question, it's pretty basic, but I want our viewers to know, what is a VP of Player Development and Operations in charge of? That is a great question. Um, and I think it's it can sometimes be a little bit confusing, especially with the player development part, but uh, for the operations side of the house, it is all the logistics, it is the, the functioning, the operations of the team from the training facilities to the travel to the food, um, all, of, all of that, and just making sure that the players and staff are fully supported for what they need to do on the field. Um, and then the player development side is really more the off-field player development um, versus the on-field. So just making sure that the players have everything that they need um, and also really taking advantage of the opportunity that they have as professional athletes, knowing that there's a finite period of time that you can be a professional athlete and a professional soccer player, uh, helping them to establish or support um, their branding, their uh, ventures off the pitch um, and other interests and passions. I think uh, something that, you know, I'm super passionate about as a, a former athlete and making sure that our players feel that they do have other passions, they do have other interests that can be supported through the resources and the network that um, we have at Angel City. 
I really respect that. I That's something I'm passionate about as well, and I do a lot in my freelance work, is helping athletes develop their off-the-field presence because I think it's so important. Um, how did you fall into this job, and is this something that you wanted to do specifically at Angel City? Yeah, I think my my path, and I actually love hearing everyone's path to Angel City um, because mine, mine might have been a little bit more unique as well because my entry point was on the investor side. Um, you know, I was one of the 13 former U.S. Women's National Team players to sign up and raise their hands uh, to be an investor to support this club, um, to really try to change the landscape and do things differently, approach things differently with intentionality. Um, and so that was my, my foray into Angel City. And I think really by starting to see the organization, see the people that comprised this exceptional group, not only were they um, and our top in their fields and what they do as professionals, but the human beings and the culture that this group um, really was creating, I think was very interesting to me. Um, and I had a conversation with Julie Ehrman, our president, and I basically said, I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to get in the mix, be on the ground, really um, helping to support this team in a different way and this organization in a different way. And so um, started kind of um, having conversations and just raising my hand at any opportunity uh, and then had that conversation with Julie Ehrman um, when she approached me about an actual job opportunity. Um, and so I think um, ever since then, just haven't looked back. Angela, you mentioned uh, training facilities. We know that Angel City has bounced around to a few different practice fields. What can you tell us about the long-term plans for training facilities? Yeah, so right now we um, established our training facility for the season at Cal Lutheran University, and we actually had a little bit of a different approach, even in partnering with them um, and using, um, you know, their grounds. We partnered with them to create our own pitch um, at Cal Lutheran, uh, our own grass field, uh, which just got established actually in June. So our team. Um, were able to actually use the Rams training facility um, and, and their grass pitch at the beginning of the season. We've now moved to our own grass field um, up at our North field. But I would um, also like to say that, you know, very excited that with being that intentional group that this, this Angel City group is, have plans to build our own training facility um, and uh, being able to very much like Kansas City um, and what they just announced have that access, have that training facility for our players, uh, which I think is really important because, you know, when you look at historically um, and even just what we're looking at today, specifically for female athletes, female professional athletes, uh, a lot of times um, we just, we still come second. Um, so being able to have a training facility where we are able to set and control our own schedule and our own time of use and being the first priority on that, I think, um, is something that I know we're all looking forward to, um, but definitely um, excited that that was part of the planning from Angel City from the very beginning um, in their run-up and, and leading to this first expansion, um, expansion season. How does the idea of having our own training facilities affect your role within the club? Uh, I think one, for scheduling purposes, it's going to be a, a lot nicer um, being able to do that with our coaching staff um, and being able to just manage that. I think security, safety, um, being able to really design this training facility for the needs of the team, um, you know, with all of our players in mind and, and also being able to go through this first season and seeing what that's like for our players, for our staff, 
um, what the cadence is, you know, the movements of our team. I think just getting into the, the nitty gritty, gritty of those details is going to be very important in how even this training facility is designed and how we can really utilize that and maximize it for the performance and for the recovery for our players as well. And as a member of the team, that is something that excites me so much about this club is that, you know, we get to look forward to one day having our own training facility. And you mentioned um, helping us with off the field interests. And obviously I'm here broadcasting. We've seen Dee Dee um, with her photography. So just talk a little bit about how the club and you yourself are helping players, you know, prepare for retirement and what they're going to do after their soccer careers. Yeah, I think um, I think that was one of the unique things too. obviously being able to be in this role and position with that experience, right, of, of what it's like to be a professional athlete. Um, and I know for me, once I made that decision to retire um, and then what that looked like afterwards, for me, that was a struggle. Um, it's not necessarily like that for all players, but, um, you know, I had a, a great education. I felt like I had a lot of great support and resources around me, and yet I still struggled um, to find what that was like for my next thing, right? My next passion. Um, and so looking at how we can, from the very beginning, holistically support our team, our players, um, like yourself, you know, obviously coming into this environment, already having some of that broadcast experience um, and being able to still support and enhance that for our players. Um, and, you know, understanding that, you know, there are other passions that we have, but we might need time to figure that out. So, you know, we definitely have set periods of time where you're going to be training on the field and being the professional athlete, but there are going to be times as well that you can have an opportunity to discover or enhance a passion. And I think that's really critical to utilize the time while you have it. Um, I look at it as, as a, a retirement or investment account, right? Like being able to really capitalize and use that retirement fund when, when you really need it after you've retired. So starting that process much earlier on and being able to leverage, again, we have an, an enormous investor group. We have over 100 investors that um, are also very engaged and willing to be a resource or make a connection. Um, so I think helping to establish those connections so that you know when our players are looking at that next phase of life, they already have that network built or established. They already have an understanding of what those passions might be. Yeah, and it's really exciting, like I said, to play for a club that cares about us as players, but as people as well, which is great. And we appreciate the flexibility because we love having Sarah here. So we love that the club uh, <laughs> supports and understands her passion. My injury. I want her on the field, but yes, <laughs> in the meantime. She can be here with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Angela, uh, you've talked a lot about supporting beyond the end of the career for the players. Can you talk a little bit more and expand on the post-career care and what that really looks like? Yeah, I think one, one thing too um, is obviously we're supporting and we want to support our, our players in Angel City, but I think, you know, thinking beyond that and bigger, we established something called the Player 22 Fund, which um, is a fund that actually is going to help all retired NWSL players. So we partnered with the California Community Foundation, uh, a nonprofit organization that will administer a fund. Um, and this fund will give grants to the recipients of this fund to actually pay for programming, education, licensing, and sports-specific fields. So the ability to, to really just help all professional soccer players after they've retired and establish, again, that bridge 
to what that life after is, is just one example of that. No. All right. Anyone else have any other questions for Angela? Otherwise, Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. This was such a great conversation. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, moving on, back in March, we held Angel City Media Day here at XRM Studios, and I got a chance to sit down with a handful of players and staff. One of those players used to call Portland home, just like myself. Her name is Simone Charlie, and here's my conversation with her. Simone, thank you so much for joining. I'm super excited to get to know you. We're gonna jump right in. So you were born in Boston, grew up in Alabama, went to college in Nashville. You lived in a lot of really cool places with a lot of culture. So I wanna know, who's your favorite music artist? I would say J. Cole is definitely one of my favorites. Coldplay has my heart. Coldplay? Oh, I love Coldplay. Okay. And I would say I really like Khalid. Okay, great choices. What's your favorite J. Cole album? Okay, J. Cole doesn't miss though, so like probably all of them, okay. but his KOD album, he was like, he was preaching on that. Okay, I knew I liked you. I'm a big <laughs> J. Cole fan, Born hey. Sinner's my favorite. Oh, quality, quality. <laughs> While you were in college, you won nine national championships between soccer, track and field. What is the best thing that you took from track and field that helps you when it comes to playing soccer? Well, I think one thing that track taught me was just like, how important the details are and how to pay attention to the details. You know, and I was a triple jumper and so you can win and lose by a centimeter. Mm -hmm. And those little gains make the biggest difference. And I think when you get to the highest level in soccer, it's the exact same. So while you were at Vanderbilt, you were named to the 2019 Vanderbilt SEC Class of Women Legends, which is amazing, congratulations. Who are some women legends in your life? I would definitely say my mom. Like, my mom is amazing. <laughs> She just loves unconditionally and is always supportive. She's someone that when I'm struggling, I can always go to her, um, always encourage me, uplift me, or give me a kick in the pants when I need it. <laughs> so is your mom your best friend? Yes. One of those like you oh. call her every day type of things or when you can? Yeah. So speaking of women, you recently joined up with the California Black Women's Health Project yeah. to help raise money for that organization during Black History Month. What made you want to partner with them? Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. I just, I love their mission. Like they're dedicated to just um, changing the health disparity in the U.S., especially with in the Los Angeles community. And one thing that I really loved is their Sisters Mentally Mobilized programming, which is focused on mental health for black women and girls. And mental health is something I'm so passionate about. And so for them to be working to just, I think it's important just to have that conversation and just make talking about mental health and mental struggles normal. It's just powerful. And so once I saw that, I was like, okay, I gotta figure out how to like support you guys, help you guys, like whatever I can do, I wanna, I wanna do that. So you played with Portland in 2019. I have some strong roots to Portland myself. So hey. I wanna know what were some of your favorite places to eat while you were there? Okay, 4K no. Have you? I've heard of it, have you been there? Quality, <laughs> so good. Okay, 4K no is top tier. Salt and straw, I feel like is like, Classic, a little taboo at this point. You're kind of like everybody has salt and straw, blue star donuts. 
Oh, dead stock coffee? Did you ever have that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, no, it's so dope because they do like really cool sneaker art in your coffee and like they don't have a menu. You just like roll up and be like, this is what I want. And they're like, all right, bet. So it's like, it's really cool. Okay, so that's your go-to next time you go to Portland. Yes. You get a dead stock coffee. 100%. I love that. <laughs> I went into a deep dive on your Instagram and found that you went scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef, and you said you are a land man. So what was the best and worst part about that experience? Uh, <laughs> well, you know they have to like attach a weight on you. Um, when you get in the water so that you like sink enough, and I had like underestimated how heavy that was. And so I like let go of the boat and I'm literally just dropping to the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like panicking. So then I start swimming like back to the surface and I knock my water piece, like the oxygen out of my mouth. And so then I'm like in full panic mode. Like I don't have my oxygen tank. I'm fighting for my life to get up to the, to the surface of the water. So I literally, I'm like fighting and I like finally make it, but I literally like saw my life flash before my eyes. And I was like, you know what? Scuba diving's not for me. I will stay on land. I guess last question for you then is, which is harder, playing soccer at the highest level or scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef? Definitely scuba diving. <laughs> so at that point, anything's possible now, right? Yes. I love that. That's hilarious. Well, thank you. This has been so much fun. Great getting to know you. Gonna go get a dead stock coffee next time I go to Portland. <laughs>
Um, yeah, really excited to be here. We're happy to have you. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna start it off, Lily. First of all, let's just start off with what is Common Goal and how did you get involved? Yeah, so Common Goal is a global network of organizations, grassroots, fan groups, and um, professional clubs that are all trying to make a difference through the game we love, soccer. So the idea is, and as you all know um, from you know being part of different productions or on the field or fans or you know uh, the amazing work you're doing in, this, in the community, Sarah, um, we're working in a $60 billion industry and the um, wealth divide and the access divide between the grassroots game and the professional game is only getting larger. And so the idea with Common Goal is how we can create an intrinsic link between the gap, the grassroots game and the professional game. And the idea is pretty simple. We started with Juan Mata, Alex Morgan, and Megan Rapino in 2018, pledging 1% of their funds towards um, social impact through soccer. And over the last four years, we put over $5 million back into social topics such as anti-racism, work, um, LGBTQ inclusion, menstrual hygiene, gender equity. And so the idea is, is quite simple, how we can ensure that folks that are profiting and have sponsorship dollars in the professional game are ensuring that, that the money is going back to the grassroots and ensuring that some of the most marginalized communities have access to the game that we all know and love today. What drew you to Common Goal? You might have um, just answered that, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to I'm happy to chat. I think I've I mean, me personally, I've worked for and I won't name any professional clubs here that I know I, we talked about Portland. We talked about Chicago, but I name won't them. mention where I'm calling it. Just drove in, drove in from Philly. So I was at the Philly game last night, who's also part of our Play Proud Coalition. I've had the privilege of working with New York City Football Club and I've worked in the private and public sector. Um, I've worked with multiple nonprofits, both uh, nationally and internationally, and I think what drew me to common goal is the connection of all of those things. And um, I know you all are familiar with just how important it is for all of us to work together. I think it's pretty clear that we're seeing, and I think on a national level, we're seeing that having state by state legislation or folks um, trying to make change on local levels can only get so far. And so together, if we can amplify the work that's happening locally and come up with a collective plan of pooling our resources, pooling our best practices, pooling the knowledge to be able to create change on a national and international scale, that's when we get work done. So we always say, um, you know, soccer is a team team game and so is social change. And I think that's that's what drew me. I think there's only so much work um, you can do in isolation. And I feel like the, the ethos behind Common Goal um, has, has really stuck with me. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty addicting. And I have seen such change on a professional level, but also um, on the grassroots level of the game. And I think in the States, there's so much, there's so much more work we, we have to do. And it's really exciting to see the sport grow here. Hi, Lily. Um, I know Angel City is a Common Goal member. When did that happen? So yeah, so we've, we've been partnering with Angel City FC for the last two years. So we launched our partnership um, around the anti-racism project. So we uh, trained their front office and executive level staff. And now we're working on launching a youth focused anti-racism league that's going to launch this month. And most recently this year, uh, Angel City FC launched the first 50 hour training of our 100 hour in-person LGBTQ inclusion training. So Angel City FC kicked it off and welcomed over eight professional clubs across five leagues to their home in LA. And we just did in April, a 50 hour um, inclusivity training, bringing together eight key markets, including front office staff, 
uh, fan groups and grassroots organizations from each of those markets. So it's been incredible. And I think, you know, we can touch on this later, but I, uh, Angel City FC is sort of breathing proof of, of, of what Common Goal is all about and not just these performative statements or throwing things on everything, every statement you see, everything you see that Angel City FC is doing across their socials or at their games, there's substantial action behind it. And I have just had such a privilege working with their staff in proactively creating inclusivity um, programs, but also retroactively thinking about how to you know, best connect with their fans, best connect with the community um, and tap into all the local knowledge that's already there around the grassroots soccer space in LA. Have you been surprised by the commitment from Angel City being such a new club? I mean, it's one thing to say something, but to actually be putting it into action, did it surprise you that the commit was, commitment was so big from Angel City? It didn't surprise me knowing the leadership and, um, you know, from the first conversations. And this is what I always say. They, they've just been yes people. It's yes. It's not. And I think, you know, I think all of us in the room, whether we've all known the struggle of trying, we know when something's right. We know when something works and trying to like pitch it continually to, you know, the folks that have been at the top. And we all know, you know, picture the people that are leading soccer in America and soccer abroad. Um, but with that, with Angel City FC, it's always been a yes, like, yes, let's do it. Yes, let's collectively work together. And I, I hope that some of the older clubs that have been around for decades look up to Angel City FC and see what's possible in our sport. And so not surprised by the leadership and the way that they um, were founded, but continually humbled to work with them. And I also think for those clubs out there, look up to them, see what they're doing and know that you can also lead an authentic fan group and club in, in your market. Yeah, the relationship with Angel City is definitely amazing, but Common Goal also has a lot of famous players who are members, including, as you mentioned, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, but also Christine Sinclair, Allison Swaby, and some men's players, including LAFC's newest signing, Giorgio Chiellini. What is the most common reason that athletes have for joining Common Goal? That's a great question, and I, I, I feel like you know, intrinsic, like common goal is making athletes and making um, brands, uh, you know, such as Adidas, who are now pledged 1% of every soccer ball that they sell, goes back to um, collective action through common goal. I mean, I think players are recognizing that this work is too big for them to do alone. And many of which, you know, I think we're trying to push players to not think of themselves and just their egos when they are playing and when they stop playing. And I think naturally we all need to um, think about how much more we can do together. And so the players that you've seen, the incredible players that have stepped forward, we have another announcement coming out tomorrow for Play Proud. Um, we were super excited to announce a, a player last week for Play Proud, Michaela Moore. Um, all of these players are saying, this is bigger than me. You know, I don't need a Lily Baird O'Keefe Foundation when we have common goal. And so, you know, all the players have full autonomy of where their funds go. So they can e either dedicate directly, give their money directly to an organization working in their community, or they can give towards larger social themes like the anti-racist work we're doing or LGBTQ inclusion. So I think what all of these players have in common is that they are committed to working together um, and committed to the idea that together we can um, create more impactful change than doing it alone. That's amazing. So I know you started to say it. Are there any other teams or players on the horizon that Common Goal is going to be announcing partnerships with? Yes, we have. Yes. Um, and sneaky question. I like it. Um, yeah, I would need a lot more whiskey. Um, I would need a lot more nights out with Sarah Gordon for that. 
Um, no, I'm just messing with you, Sarah. I'm just saying you never call, you never write, so I have to find you. <laughs> we have whiskey um, on the way, so if you can hang on for a little bit longer, we'll okay, get whiskey. I, I had to be in Philly yesterday. I have to be in Chicago tomorrow, but I would have been in LA sitting right there with you. So we'll send the address. We'll DoorDash you some whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm counting on it, but. Um, we have some really exciting announcements. So as I, I mentioned, a really um, an incredible player coming out tomorrow. And we have some big, uh, big partnerships, many of which are LA uh, adjacent and affiliated coming out this year. So keep your eyes peeled. And I, um, I think just, yeah, another mention, like we have really cool coffee brands uh, uh, joining that have joined a uh, big shout out to Queen City and Kickoff Coffee. And so it doesn't matter your, what your 1% is. It doesn't matter your role in the ecosystem of soccer. I think we all have a role to play. Um, and so, yeah, just massive shout out to everyone that's on the team and for you all for all highlighting it because it takes it takes all of us to make that change. So, yeah, massive, massive appreciation for, for all y'all and your work. And it's, it's great to see so many female athletes committing because obviously to, to your organization because obviously our salaries are different than um, male athletes salaries. So that's great to see. Um, but my question for you is how does Common Goal, how does the organization measure long-term and short-term success? That's a great question. Um, so we, we have a pretty deep measuring and impact um, team. So we do all of our ME for all of our projects and we work really closely. So we partner with over, I think we're at 160 organizations in 90 countries worldwide that are rolling out our inclusivity trainings um, and different social methodologies that we've crafted with our partners on the ground. And we have a pretty in-depth um, ME measuring and evaluation to measure all of this. Um, but I think in terms of like the global movement, what I'm really loving and what I'm seeing as you know, a huge success is watching clubs and brands um, and players take on this ownership of what collective action through soccer looks like. So as I said last night, Philly Union created a whole TIFO that covered their entire supporters group that just said play proud, which was totally decentralized from our work, but um, shows that it's, it's way beyond the Common Goal brand or Angel City FC brand or Philly Union brand or LAFC. Um, I think we, we need to work together to, to think about how we can use soccer um, and repurpose the game uh, in order to, to ensure that marginalized young people and older folks uh, have access to the sport. So I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we're seeing it in stadiums, the more that we're seeing trainings, measures and, and shows the success that we are trying to embed social impact in the DNA of all professional um, soccer. So hopefully and, you hear a lot more from us. And how can viewers and Angel City supporters support Common Goal? Go to our website, um, check out our website, reach out to us on social, follow us on social. Um, as I said, there's, and as you just said, Sarah, like there's, there's no 1% that's too small. So, you know, as a player, it doesn't matter what you're earning, um, I always say it's like a sliding scale. Like we all need to do our part. And, you know, for some folks that's the single digits, for some folks that's the, you know, that's six figures. Um, we all have a role. So follow us on social, check out our um, our website and we all, yeah, we all have a role to play and it's not always financial. So, so talk about how soccer can be repurposed. Think about what we want our game to look like. I mean, we're talking in LA right now and I'm obviously in New York. We're gonna have a world cup coming to us in six, in four short years. Like, what do we want our communities to look like? What do we want our fields to look like? What do we want the fan group to look like? So I think uh, we all have a role to play and we should all team up and do it together. Well, Lily, thank you so much for coming on the show and all the great work that you're doing at Common Goal. You can learn more about Common Goal at common-goal.org. Thanks, Lily.
Appreciate y'all. Hope to see you soon. All right. So every week we show you Angel City players answering really bizarre questions. This week, the women are calling each other out in another edition of Class of 22. <laughs> this is a good one. Sarah Gordon. Sarah Gordon, 100%. I saw her phone once. She's got like 400 unread text messages, so. I'm probably most likely to ghost everyone in the group chat. <laughs> oh, uh, Vanessa. Vanessa. V. Vanessa. Kristen Press. Yeah. Kristen Press. Oh my gosh, Kristen Press. Press. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen Press, because she probably turns off her notifications. Kristen. Okay. Uh, but you can never post that. <laughs> you probably won't. Get in trouble. Um, I actually have 701 now unread text <laughs> messages, but yeah, 700 press, press of those are definitely, uh, she probably got the same 700 amount. of those more. messages probably are group chat. Yeah. <laughs> She's just where ignoring she, us. Where she definitely what group chat us? are you talking about? I don't even know. <laughs> it's fine. I, I ghost people all the time. So what happens if you, Vanessa, and Kristen are in a group chat? Okay, Vanessa <laughs> doesn't exist. is not the answer because Vanessa, I feel like she blows up the group chat. I mean, right, that one doesn't exist, but. <laughs> you guys are just, just silently ghosting each other. <laughs> Oh, well, all right, everyone, thank you. Oh, well, no, actually, what am I doing? We're going all over the place. Let's see, what, do we have anything going on in the chat? You know, I got a question. Okay. Uh, somebody was asking me if anyone knew about a Kristen Press update, so I'm gonna. If you text her, she might not text you back. Yeah, is she gonna answer your um, text? No. So Press told me, I talked to her the other day, she had surgery, um, she's recovering and feeling good, so. There we go. Hopefully, we will see her soon. Yeah. She's so That's she's as great. good as she can be right now, you know? Obviously, like a few days post ACL surgery, you're not doing much movement. You know, you're laying in a bed a lot, but you know, as long as your spirits are good, that's what matters the most, I would say, seeing as I just went through it. I like, can't yeah. even imagine that, like, you can speak to this, like, what is it like to go from leading such an active lifestyle to not being allowed to really like walk and move? It's difficult for sure, but at the same time, you know, at first it's kind of like you get like a little bit of a break from Everything. Pushing your body to the limit all the time, and then like that lasts for like 48 hours, and then it's like, okay, I'm ready. When can I, I get back out there? <laughs> what did you do? What did I do? Like, like when you were how recovering, you, how do you take you care you of your mental time? health? It, it's hard, and it's like I feel like the whole process of an injury, you're dealing with your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of see how sport like feeds your val like validation of your sport helps your ego and like makes you feel good. So you really have to work on yourself and like mm -hmm. your identity. Um, but I think it's necessary, you know, so many athletes, so many great athletes have been through serious injuries. So yeah. yeah, part of the journey, you know. Did you get any good questions on Instagram? Oh wait, I have a few questions. Let's okay. see. Oh, uh, while Sarah's looking for her questions, also you guys, if you're in the chat, you guys can send in questions as well. You know, just go ahead and type them in and, and we'll answer them after Sarah gets her questions. She's digging them out. Like she had them <laughs> earlier. I don't know what's taking so I know, she's got a lot of here. She's cherry picking them. But like, which one? Do just pick one. When are you getting on the pitch? <laughs> okay, so I see a lot about like, kind of talking about what are we gonna do without press? Like how we, mm -hmm. she's part of 67% of ROP goals this season. Do we need to buy another forward? Jess. At yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely. We talk about this like 
Every all the week. time. Yes. Uh, we said, we need number nine. We need mm-hmm. a number nine. We need a striker. We need something. Especially because now Kristen Press is out. I mean, I think that that was something that we spoke about even when she was there. You know, uh, we need more goals. And so I think the question is absolutely yes, 100%. <laughs> so we got a question from Brian Chua. What are your key- what are our keys? What are your keys against Portland on Friday? I mean, didn't they just, they did 6-0? Yeah. And last time they did us 3 0. But it's an international break. There's a lot of players missing. It's going to be a completely different game. So, I mean, we have our international players missing as well. And our injured players. But I think it's, I think it kind of fares us right now because they're missing Sophia Smith. um, And, you know, regardless of international break, press is out. So, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the goal for us is going to be to, you know, maybe try and put one away. I feel like we say this all the time, but I think once we start putting them away, it's just going to, like, kind of open the floodgates. So I would say making sure we maximize our space on the field. I think against Portland, we have a tendency to kind of become a little more compact. So maybe spreading ourselves out a little wider, trying to lengthen the field and seeing how that fares for us and then taking advantage of their weaknesses and the fact that they don't have their consistent starting lineup right now. Yeah, and maybe take a little bit of a page out of the book that we had against um, Racing Louisville. I just think playing maybe on the counterattack and try to utilize our best strengths would be best because Portland are a dominant team that like to control the ball and will hurt you, you know, when you're trying to pass it around out of the back. I think one of our biggest mistakes in the last game was trying to play out of the back, trying to do these little five-yard passes to each other, and inevitably they converged on us, and we kind of uh, panicked a little bit, especially with the turf. I don't – are we are we away? Sorry, I've done yeah. We're home. Yeah. We're, oh, we're home. home. We're yeah. actually home? Okay. <laughs> so, home, ladies. I was like, are we away? Okay, no. So we'll be at home, so we'll be – you know, on grass that we we know. I do think the turf has the something turf, to do definitely. with it. We have our fans. Yeah, and we have our oh, fans, so utilize that. Exactly. Okay. I think just play to our strengths is the best thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, unrelated, Juan Vargas wants to know, Sarah, if you know that there's a Portillo's in Buena, in Buena Park. Um, I did hear, but I have never been to Orange County in my life. So Really? You have yeah. to make a trip down. Yeah. Do Disneyland yeah, everything. Yeah, take her to Disneyland. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> right now. Go right now. <laughs> An you haven't taken you haven't taken Katie to Disneyland? No. Oh. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer USA asks, if you could play with one player that is retired, who would you choose? Like a man or a woman or just a sure. woman? Yeah. Mia Hamm. I was gonna say, I knew that. You were gonna say that. That's yeah, a good, that's a good one. Um, it's just iconic. Right. Definitely <laughs> iconic. Um, what about you? I guess Ronaldinho. Like, I mean, he's my favorite player of all time. It would just be nice to just, I mean, I would just stand there and watch him. I mean, <laughs> what can I do when he's out there? I just think he's, um, to have played with him was probably a, a joy. So, yeah, for sure, probably Ronaldinho. That's cool. Tell us in the chat, too, you guys. Let us know who you would want to play with. We'll see if we're missing anyone cool. Do you have any other good ones on Instagram, Sarah? No. Okay. Don't worry um, about my cholesterol. Yeah, don't want to talk about your cholesterol. <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to bring it up. They need an right. update. The world needs uh, to know. John Jackson, is Endo going to be with Japan still? I'm not sure what their July schedule is. I actually don't um, know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty positive that she's not going to be back by the game Friday. It's a, that's a really quick turnaround. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you for your questions and comments. It's time to start wrapping things up. Don't forget, if you love to consume podcasts, this show is also available in that format. Just search 110 Football and you'll find us. There's more 110 Football this week as LAFC hosts FC Dallas on Wednesday here in Los Angeles. Connor, Vince, Philly, and Jessica will be with you. The tailgate pregame starts at 7.15 p.m. 
And on Saturday, we've got another LAFC watch party at a yet-to-be-determined official LAFC bar. That will start at 7 p.m. And keep your eyes glued to our social to find out where we'll be. Okay, so you may have noticed there's no stoppage time this week, and that's because we collectively felt there's nothing we could talk about that was more important than what happened on Friday. So I'd like to briefly open up the conversation with a true story. I've never shared this publicly, but it's been weighing heavy on my heart. I'm gonna try and get through it without crying. You got it. I once had an ectopic pregnancy. So this is when the fetus grows outside of the uterus, usually in the fallopian tube because the embryo never makes it down to the uterus. Ectopic pregnancies are dangerous because if undetected and the fetus gets too big, it can rupture the tube, which leaves you at risk for life-threatening bleeding. Ectopic pregnancies can be fatal. I had multiple procedures to expel the cells and tissue from my body, procedures that essentially saved my life. The same pre procedures that as of a few days ago are now considered illegal in many states. I'm so fortunate I live in a state where resources were made available to me, no questions asked, and I cannot fathom experiencing what was already a very traumatic event with no options. The Supreme Court's overturning of Roe has been extremely triggering for me, and sharing this publicly is actually the first time that I'm grieving since that experience. And so my heart goes out to all those who have been affected. And I'm sharing my story because I want to remind everyone that reproductive rights are more than just wanting children. It can very much be about life or death. I didn't cry. Thank you for Thank sharing you. your story. Like you are very brave for sharing that. I know it was hard for you. And I just want to reiterate how messed up it is that like you have to share this story about what you've been through and for a reason for us to have rights on our body. And like, it shouldn't come down to life or death, it should come down to it's my body and you know, this is, this is what's best for me. I think we talked before the show, um, obviously I have a son, I got pregnant when I was 20, I was in college. Um, being pregnant was some of the most depressing months of my life, but I, ha I made my own choice on what you know, I thought was best for me, I was, you know, unsupported by my child's father, which is fine, you know, like everything is, of course, wonderful now, but my point is that you don't know until you're there. You have no idea. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. And we see the religion argument time and time again, and this is what we were talking about before the show. You have the right to your religion. You have the right to your beliefs, but you don't have the right to tell me or another woman or man, for that matter, mm -hmm. what their religion should be or what they believe because you know we support you in in your religious efforts and what you want and we will fight for you to choose you know what's best for you in your life because we want the right to do the same and um i think it's devastating it's devastating to be back on camera talking about social issues instead of talking about soccer because we would love to not have to care about these things but they affect us and they affect every one of us and everyone needs to speak up. And I think, you know, something else that makes it really devastating is this is days after the Supreme Court said, you know, they, they can't make laws about guns, but they can make, make laws about a woman's body. So um, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy time, I think, for all of us. It's incredibly difficult. And I just wanna, once again, thank you, Meg, for sharing your story, because I think there are so many women who go through things like you've spoken about, and it's very stigmatized. And together, we need to support each other more. And I think to Sarah's point also, we never know what we're gonna do in those situations. So to have somebody make such a ruling that dramatically impacts the lives of so many people 
on such a wide scale without really understanding how detrimental the effects are for everyone is absurd. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. I think we've all joked about flipping this table, but you know, it's a very real feeling that, you know, we're angry. We might flip the table. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Megan, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. And then Sarah, she's always so open about sharing things that are going on in her life and making things very um, real and bringing things to the table more than just soccer and like what she does on the pitch. And I just think more true stories need to be out there because from my perspective, making such big decisions like this um, about people's bodies in a way where it's almost like it takes, it's so sterile. It, it takes away from the reality of the situation. When more women need to tell their stories, I know it's difficult, but to make it just about like, oh, well you need to either have this baby or not. It's so much bigger than that. And that's what your story and your story is all about. And many other stories is that there's a spectrum of reasons why people make the choices that they make. And for them to make it about, which I, I just feel like it's, I don't, to make it like this and make such a big decision without considering the spectrum of, of results from this action for me is just, it's heartbreaking. And so, yeah, I thank you guys for sharing your story. I know it's so difficult, but I think more people need to come out because it's not just about, you know, having the baby or not. It's so much deeper than that. It's not about making a bad decision and not wanting to, to live up to it or whatever. Cause I hear such nasty things about why people feel like people get abortions and, it's just not, it's not, it's not that. It's yeah. so much deeper than that. There's so many different reasons and it just feels like they've whittled it down to something very um, black and white. wrong, binary. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like to kind of like relate this back to soccer and being an athlete, you know, like a few weeks ago when we were talking about gun violence and what happened in um, Uvalde, Texas, I feel like maybe people are wondering why are we talking about this on the show? And we have to, we don't have a choice because as athletes, as analysts and broadcasters, like this is something that affects us. And I would also just like to say, obviously as a member of um, the NWSL and of Angel City, I have a lot of friends throughout the league. I talk to a lot of the other women in the league and some of us are really exhausted of carrying this weight on our shoulders, of constantly using our platform to talk about these things because it constantly affects us, whether it's a race issue, whether it's gun violence, whether it's, you know, um, Roe v. Wade, whatever it is, and it's exhausting. And it's, we feel like we have to do it because we wanna see changes and, you know, we want equality and we want these things. So it is so important, of course, like I said last time, for all athletes to be losing, using, excuse me, using their platforms. And all viewers and fans too, like we hear you and we see you guys and your support means the world to us. So we're trying to use our platform in the best way possible to make change and you know, and that's why we're here talking about this. Yeah, man, um, I, can't, I can't see the comment anymore, but um, somebody was saying it's more, um, Mears said it's more than just about women, it's about mm -hmm. trans women, non-binary folks as well. But also I think, Again, this goes back to you know this being an everybody issue, and often these these situations are, you know, monitored and the rules are made by men, but they're women's issues, but they're actually everybody's issue. And I feel like you know Sarah was talking about this earlier that it can't just be you know the NWSL 
and WNBA and these types of, you know, just women's organizations coming out and talking. We need to see the likes of like LeBron James, Steph, um, Steph Curry. We need to see mm -hmm. big um, male figures out there talking about these things as well because these are gonna, it's gonna affect their sisters. It's gonna affect their, you know, their, their cousins, you know. Everybody, like, everybody has a woman that they can look at and say that this is probably gonna affect you. So it can't just be women, it's everybody. Um, this is a world issue, not just a women's issue. Yeah, and how long will it take? How many people need to realize, oh, the person sitting next to me has actually gone through this before yeah. we can get it through our heads and pass things that are gonna protect women and that aren't gonna take away our rights. You know, I, on a happy note, I do like the fact that we've seen some companies step up in a real way and offer services where they're going to actually provide financial assistance to women who need to now go out of state, take PTO, travel to another state in order to have these medical procedures done. So at least we have that, but I mean, God, if that's the like happy news, you know, we're having a few companies react positively, right. like what are we doing? And we're constantly, I mean, we're here promoting women's sports, you know, being athletes, we're constantly championing women and like for this kind of stuff yeah. to happen, like you, it just brings us down. Like, how often can you stand up and be like, go women, like, go break barriers, do this. And then we see politics regressing and going, things that shouldn't be political, be political, and we're going backwards. It's exhausting. Yeah, well, you know, to close the show, I just want to say thank you for always using your platform to speak out on these issues because it really does make a difference. And it's made it a lot easier for me, like your vulnerability for the Uvalde shooting made it so much easier for me to come on here and share. And I just want to thank all of you for making it such a safe space to share a difficult story. And some may wonder why, but to like what we were talking about, I'm fortunate to have somewhat of a platform to speak on it to sort of help normalize that it happens to way more people than you realize. And it's way more nuanced than anyone realizes. And so thank you all for listening and for your support. Like I'm just really overwhelmed by the love and thank you for all of you for just being such great friends. But that is the show. So we'll see you next week because of the holiday. We aren't here on Monday, so we will see you on Wednesday. Thank you everyone. Thanks again, Meg. And she knows football Thanks, is right. Meg. Tom Brady instead of Subway commercial. Yeah. <sighs>